Hey everybody here, Christopher DeHarty with the Motorsport 101 podcast. The COVID-19 or coronavirus pandemic will be a central theme of today's show. There is no escaping the worldwide toll this virus has caused, and we'll get into that during the show. We humbly ask that you follow the World Health Organization's guidelines to try and curtail this pandemic so we can get back to watching race cars going around the track. We are not doctors, nor are we medical experts, but we will tell you to wash your hands. Last, but certainly not least, listener discretion is not advised, because when you hit play, you knew damn well what you were getting yourself into. Welcome to Motorsport 101. That was a really long-winded way of saying we're recording this podcast behind closed doors. Hi everybody, I'm Andre Harrison, your friendly neighborhood host, and welcome to episode 236 of the Motorsport 101 podcast, and uh... The, the, if we're doing a vibe check, it's a very weird vibe check on, on this week's show. Um, it's been a week since we last recorded, um, and that was, chronologically speaking, well, the last time we did record was our IndyCar uh, season preview. Um, at the time, we still thought we were going to get an opening round. Um, of every championship we did a season preview for. <laughs> pretty much. Single um, one. In the week since then... I do not exaggerate when I say this. In a sporting standpoint, all hell has broken loose. Um, we'll touch upon some of the little things here and now. I'm sure they'll be dropped in the conversation. Like as, how we have a higher recorded attendance than this year's WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how a very tall Frenchman um, with... A, a habit of touching some microphones effectively cancelled all of sports in North America. North America? Defensive player of the year. <laughs> yeah, he put the whole league on lockdown. Yeah, thanks, Rudy. Um, <laughs> if you, only, you, you pretty much accelerated the inevitable, but hey, we, di- we digress. Um, with me to talk about the chaos that has since unfolded in the last week or so, um, because by the way, this is a five-person episode, by the way, um, because you know we we thought we we bought the whole night of the round table, uh, for this one. We have Ryan King. Hello, sir. Hello, and due to unforeseen events, the Knicks can no longer finish last in the National Basketball Association. Hey, there's some good news for once on this show. Well, depends on the situation, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, the, the golf cup is very appropriate, if I do say so myself. Cam Buckley is here. Hello, sir. Hello, everyone. Um, the Thanos snapping of Boston sports continues. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Um, I now demand... Me, that's Tom Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I will smack the taste out of your mouth the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I was about to say, I demand three days mourning. Don't worry, we got time. <laughs> There's so little we, going on in the sports world, I actually streamed on Twitch. A truly Christ. rare occurrence. Yeah, I was like, hmm, I might, so I might stream Gran Turismo 2 on Twitch. That is how slow shit has been for me right now. Like That's what we're talking about here. RJ O'Connell is here. Hello, sir. Howdy. Um, so this episode... We're, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, stuff that happened recently, stuff that was supposed to happen. I wish that we could have sat down and told you all about an Australian Grand Prix and all the drama about Mercedes, DAS system, Ferrari, whether or not they're actually good or not. 
Racing Points Mercedes, all of the other bullshit that came with that, plus a really good IndyCar Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. But like everything in sport, and most facets of life in general, uh, that's not good. That didn't happen. And yeah. it may not happen for a while. And honestly, I know like sports is not the most important thing in times like this, but it's a it's at least a good place to like gather socially for better and for worse. And when you don't even have that for an indeterminate amount of time, it's like it's it, yeah. it throws you off. For, for a yeah. lot of people, sports is you know, it's a safe haven. It's an escape to from you know from whatever's going on in your life. Yeah, for and, better and for worse. Yeah, for better and for worse, of course. But for that to be gone wholesale around the world is really weird. Yeah, that's that's why it's it's important to to take all the precautions necessary because this pandemic really strikes at not only our immune systems, but the things that hold us together as a society, where it, it it might be tempting to go out and spend time with people, but that's literally the worst thing to be doing right now. Yeah, the it's it, it as a sports fan, it's we 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 talked just before we went on the air. We talked about tearing the band aid off. That's a lot of what this feels like. This is going to be a lot of isolation, a lot of reflection upon ourselves and it's probably why the vibe is so weird right now because let's be honest we are we are a motorsport podcast but we've always built ourselves around entertainment and trying to laugh and trying to put smiles on people's faces and approaching the sport from sometimes a completely wacky and different angle this is really not one of those occasions because for the first time ever in the 235 shows and the Nearly six years we've been doing this show, which is a terrifying thought to even contemplate. We have nothing. We we have a story of nothing. Uh, well, the story is obviously much bigger than that, but on the crux of it, we have zero. It's very weird how we've got everything and also nothing all at the same time. I'll get more into detail on that in a minute because we do we did forget to introduce Krista Hardy as well. Hello, sir. Uh, not in the Indianapolis Indianapolis bureau this time. I'm actually uh, at my parents' house right outside New Orleans, and you know, saying that the worst thing you could do is go out and be with somebody. Yeah, I'm getting ready to get on an airplane in about three or four days. So, <laughs> well, you 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 have to go to your place of residence. So. <laughs> yeah, um, the the last five or six days actually the last week rather has just been one messed up thing after another and trust me i will get into everything as time won't prohib um permits on this podcast but i can tell you all right now this has been probably one of the weirdest weeks i've had in a very long time in motorsports yeah because you're supposed to be there covering the grand prix of st petersburg on the ground with pretty much everybody else and then all that doesn't happen yeah it was kind of weird um just and it really, it all started at the airport before even getting to St. Petersburg. But I mean, like I said, we'll get into that when we get get to the IndyCar portion of this. But yeah, it's it's not ideal. Um, I had I had certainly had plans for that weekend and also for this coming weekend. But of course, uh, that all went up, uh, you know, went up uh, immediately. 
it is a it is it is a very interesting uh, time, and it's one that uh, we will try our very best to chronologically break down and probably fail in 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 the next couple of hours or so. Failing we that, try. we do have motorsport that happened in the past that we need to catch up on, as mm-hmm. well as esports filling the void that real motorsports could not this past weekend and may continue to do for weeks to come. Indeed. Um, So, before we really get started, um, I'm going to cut a little bit out of my normal intro um, and just talk about the situation with us in general on this show. So, if you have not seen the update that I I personally wrote on our Patreon page, at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101, um, if you haven't checked that out yet, I recommend you do. If you didn't, I'll give you a quick verbal catch-up. Basically, long story short, because of the lack of racing right now, unfortunately, we can't continue doing weekly shows. It's basically impossible to basically make something out of nothing for that long continuously, especially given we are probably not going to have any major motorsport for at least a month and a half, if not longer. Most likely the longer of those options. Giving us a couple of weeks per episode will certainly put us in good stead to at least think of other things we could potentially fill the gap yeah, with. Going back to the uh, old school motorsport 101. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, very much old school M101 for the time being. Again, if that changes, I'm sh- we'll let you know in 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 uh, in due course. But uh, we have to be honest, and we have to give ourselves the best chance of producing the best show we can, and this gives us the best chance of being able to do that. Um, of course, that's of course that's a blow because I know many of you, of you guys unconditionally love our show, and that's fantastic and wonderful, and we are very grateful for for that and your continued support through tough times. People have asked me via email and DM about what's happening with the show. Um, are we going to be okay, basically? Because I know a lot of freelancers and friends out there are struggling. Look, the show it will be fine. Like, the website and the, and, the, and, and, the, and the running costs of the show are covered by our Patreon account. We are self-sufficient. There's always a bit of in reserve just in case... Just in case something like this does happen, um, I, I I did it a couple of years ago. I sometimes I hate it when I'm right, and and but I promise you it'll be fine for the upcoming few for the upcoming weeks, maybe even months ahead. However, I do also completely acknowledge and understand that this is probably not what you backed us for. Or um, of course, it's a freak circumstance. But we don't know how long this is going to go on for. We're not we're not scientists. We're not experts. We 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 can only guesstimate. But this could be for a while. And of course, um, that this is not the usual plan for M101. Of course, as you probably know by now, we're going to be you know elbow thick and deep in weekly shows and all the major series we cover. Um, that sadly will not be happening for a while. So. For those guys specifically who are Patreon backers of the show, um, between now and May 1st, and there is scope to go longer with this, depending on what the situation is like with the coronavirus going forward, between now and May 1st, if anybody wants a free refund on their pledge, 
um, and between now and May 1st, no questions asked, we will happily refund that pledge. Because at the end of the day, this is probably not what you paid for. Times are tough. A lot of people are not going to be working right now. We are not a priority. We're just a bunch of beloved motorsport fans that are trying to bring some entertainment more than anything else. There is shit out here regarding this that is a lot more serious than that. Um... Of course, we are incredibly grateful for anyone that continues to do so during this time, but I also want to completely acknowledge the fact that, you know, at the moment, you know, this could be tricky, to say the least. So, like I said, between now and at least May 1st, and that, again, I will, will update it if, if this break goes longer. That was a tentative guess. I, it's probably going to be longer than that, if I'm honest, um, given what we know already. Um, if anybody would like a return on their pledge, um, that is absolutely no problem. No questions asked. Just get in touch with me anywhere on social media or via email. I'm at Dre at motorsport101.com is my email address. If you want to get in touch with me that way, again, social media, you know where to find me. Um, Andre Harrison on Facebook. Look out for the guy in the idiot shirt. Um, and Twitter at Harrison101HD. So if anyone wants that, um again like we are not taking perks away from anybody until may 1st at the earliest so consider it a freebie um on on our benefit because like i said i want to give all the listeners and the backers of our show that are out there a choice um of course we are incredibly grateful for all the support we do continue to get in this tricky time but at the same time I also acknowledge that we are just a motoring show, <laughs> and and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we we're, we're in the same boat as everybody else right now, and of course, please stay safe, please look after each other and yourselves, and to anyone affected, we wish you all the very very best. But uh, you know, beyond like I know again with this like, with this show, like we've always tried to do, we will always just try, you know. To, to to put to to bring some entertainment, um, you know, to this to a, a difficult time. But of course, we've got to break it all down first. So, right. good luck for that. Basically, yeah. but we will try our very best. Yeah, let's let's just go ahead and get started. Um, pretty much Indeed. everything is delayed. Formula One suspended for the first couple of months. IndyCar suspended for the first month. Le Mans twenty four hours postponed to September. MotoGP postponed till May. Any major racing series you can think of is not coming back for a while. In fact, the World Health Organization recommends that we at least try and distance ourselves for at least 60 days. So it could be until May. It could very well be until longer. Yeah, There's a lot so, out there that's being called. So, off. yeah, on the European junior scene, it seems like... Uh, Formula Regional European Championship, which is an Italian-based series, uh, Formula uh, Euro Formula Open, and uh, Formula Renault Euro Cup, they seem to all be set in agreement that their seasons will start probably mid-June. As will Formula 2 and Formula 3, where they're pretty much at the whim of Formula 1 anyway. Where we don't know if we're going to have a Monaco Grand Prix. We know we don't have a Grand Prix of Long Beach. That can't be rescheduled. Yeah, because of course, rescheduling on a street circuit is much more difficult than rescheduling on a bespoke racing track. So we may not have a Monaco Grand Prix at all. Yeah. And since time of recording, the Monaco Grand Prix is officially cancelled. 
and Spain and Baku and the Netherlands are delayed. Back to the show. Yeah, same Monaco with, uh, is currently in lockdown right now, so yeah. Yeah, and same with Australia if they can't find a date as well. We know Australia is off. Well, I guess uh, we should talk about uh, the most eventful uh, postponement slash the most eventful non-event. Yeah, the the top of the bill and the main event of what this podcast was originally going to be, the Australian Grand Prix, and quickly the story of how it wasn't. Let's uh, let's rip this bandage off. Do you remember what Ross Braun said about a week ago? At the time of recording this show on March eighteenth, yeah, I yeah. do. Did you guys remember what he said? I remember what he said. That if any team was unable to participate because of novel coronavirus, that nobody would participate. Aged was, like milk. In a way, he was right. Oh, yeah. we're going to get into how close that wasn't going to be right, largely due to. Uh, the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, the promoters of the race, were adamant two weeks out that their race will be run. Yeah, we were starting to see signs of sporting events getting cancelled here and there. We hadn't really gotten to the really big stuff um, until right around the Thursday or Friday before mm-hmm. this race actually got called off. But we were starting to see rumblings. March 11th. 2020 the day it it all went to shit it was largely down to two events that took place within i'd say half an hour of each other where pretty much where the results came in in the nba just as they were about to start their game between the utah jazz and the oklahoma city thunder that one of the jazz players rudy gobert tested positive why that's important is within the past five days by a degree of two to three teams, the Jazz had came into contact with effectively every team in the National Basketball Association, yeah. giving the NBA no choice but to suspend operations. And that was the point in time where it really set in for yeah. like Americans that like, you know... No, I, I should say, meanwhile, at the same time, during a live broadcast to every American in the country, the President of the United States announced that all travel between the Schengen area of the European Union and the United States would be suspended for That's 30 days. Us. That's when it hit us. That's when we realized, hey, this ain't just, you know, the common flu. This is something a bit more serious. Yeah, and... Not only that, but that jazz player, Rudy Gobert, well, he decided before he tested positive that he was going to meme this. By touching all the microphones. And that perfectly reflects a lot of people's attitude before coronavirus really came to our front door. Before it came out of China, then to Italy, and then pretty much everywhere else. Yes, and by the next morning... Uh, not only was the National Basketball Association suspended, but also the National Hockey League, uh, the NCAA, uh, including all their tournaments, including the Division One men's basketball tournament, known as March Madness. March Madness. And the F1 teams had just arrived in Melbourne. Yeah, they had touched down literally hours before. From a cultural standpoint, it was also... <laughs> 
they'd also found out that Tom Hanks had been diagnosed with the, the and, and his wife had been diagnosed with the coronavirus. I think that's when a lot of Americans that I followed on, on Twitter were like, holy shit, Tom Hanks has got this. Okay, this is serious now. You know, because, well, look, Tom Hanks is basically America's uncle. So, <laughs> you know. Um, yes, and not to mention Major League Baseball suspended spring training and pushed back opening day. And I saw a funny joke on 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 the internet where it's like, what did what did America do to coronavirus? Because in one day they took out March Madness, baseball, and Tom Hanks. Yeah, it sounds like America <laughs> must have touched shit about coronavirus' mom. Yeah, because it, uh, effectively all national sports in this country were shut down within a matter of two days. You know, along with all the international, like every big football league you can think of, had either decided well, to play behind it, closed it took doors. A, it took a long time to get to that point, but eventually all of European football was shut down. Yeah, they tried yeah. to. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of leagues tried to shift this to a behind closed doors situation. March Madness. Um, yep. Serie a. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. NASCAR. And Even of course, the Grand the Bar- Prix of St. Petersburg. And the Grand Prix of Bahrain, which, of course, is now postponed until further notice. But that doesn't really work out when uh, players start testing positive left, right, and center. Yeah. Yeah. From, from, from a UK standpoint, um, to provide a little bit of British spice to this to this situation, mm-hmm. um, and one that affected me personally. For those of those who don't know, I work in the gambling industry. I'm a, I'm a manager of a paddy power, for full disclosure's sake. And... It was amazing how last Friday, like the reason why I wasn't on um, last week's recording was because I was directly involved with the Cheltenham Festival. For those guys in the UK, that is the biggest week of horse racing in the country. It's like the Kentucky Derby, which has also been postponed. Yeah, exactly. It's four days. It is massive for the industry. It's the busiest week of the year for us um, in, in the gambling industry in general. It is a massive deal. Um, by the time we got to last Friday, um, f- like that was like the killer morning because that was when the Premier League, um, when it comes to soccer, which is the arguably the biggest soccer league in the world, if not one of the biggest sporting leagues in the world, period, yeah. suspended s- suspended operations of immediate effect until April 3rd. This was because the night before, um, the Premier League put out a statement saying that all games would go ahead as normal until about 45 minutes later when Arsenal released their own statement saying their manager, Mikel Arteta, had been diagnosed with the coronavirus. So Arsenal immediately had to go into a state of self-isolation for 14 days. Their game against Brighton that weekend was immediately suspended. And, well, the Premier League had no choice. Because, um, again, not only did Mikel Arteta test positive, Chelsea, Chelsea and England winger Callum Hudson-Odoi also diagnosed, was also given a positive diagnosis um, alongside a few Leicester players and Everton players anonymously having to be self-isolated due to potential symptoms of the coronavirus itself. The Premier League had no choice but to suspend the league. The EFL and the Spanish Premiership quickly followed suit. Um, but Cheltenham's day four, their biggest day of the festival, the last day, Gold Cup day, um, went ahead as normal. And um, I don't normally recommend other people's work, but if you want to uh, check out a great perspective on that, go to sportinglife.com and check out Sky Sports presenter Laura Woods' uh, take on the situation. She's normally on Sky Sports as a presenter. She's got a bi-weekly column over there. She's, she did a lot of work at Cheltenham for TalkSport, 
that week and seeing her basically be the elephant in the room, effectively, as everything else around, um, everything, everything else in UK sports was being postponed left and right. Day four of Cheltenham went ahead as normal and 68,000 people were in attendance on that final day. Horse racing is a big deal here, folks. Um, so, uh, so day four of Cheltenham went ahead. I believe two days later, Irish Racing put themselves behind closed doors immediately, and within three days of that, the Grand National, the biggest race, arguably in the world, horse racing-wise, was cancelled. And then, and then basically, everybody else had egg on their face. Um, basically, it was a crazy situation, and that kind of leads us to where we're at now of the Australian Grand Prix um, which again was they were meant to be having first practice hours before this situation dialed up with Cheltenham and the Premier League yeah it now, should be yeah it should be noted that Thursday morning here in the United States when all these cancellations took place is pretty much going into Friday for Australia. Yeah, exactly, because you know, the Aussies are, what, between 9 and 11 hours ahead, depending on what part of the country right. you're in. Right. So, we got we got Australian patrons who can back us up on that. But yes. the first domino that really pushed this were reports of people within teams. Yeah, initially, initially, there was a lot of reports that people working for Haas had, had, uh, had symptoms. And then people from McLaren. And I believe they tested eight people. Seven yeah. from Haas, one from McLaren. Everyone from Haas came back negative. The one from McLaren? Oh. We're in, positive. we're in trouble, aren't we? At, at this point in time, uh, a vote had already taken place on whether the race should be run or not. It came back split between the teams 5-5. Five, five. We'll get to that. But McLaren immediately pulls out. That was yeah. the big one. Yeah, yep. that was the big one because uh, the way the way the vote was split five five. Ross Braun was the tie breaking vote, and he had pushed to continue the race. And uh, a mm. couple teams had sided on the side of the the majority, where their vote was pretty much. Uh, I believe it was Williams was one of them. I don't remember Williams and Haas. Was. Williams and Haas were pretty much like, whatever the, everyone else says, we'll push through. But the way it split was uh, Ferrari, being from Italy, being very important. Uh, so Ferrari and their teams, plus the two Renault-powered teams, uh, Renault and McLaren voted not to race. Uh, Mercedes, on the other hand, and their <laughs> affiliated teams voted to race. As did the two Red Bull Honda teams. Yes. Obviously, Red Bull and AlphaTauri. Yes. So, and just quickly continue on from what Cam said, McLaren withdrawing really threw down the gauntlet, because as we started the segment, Ross Braun said, if one team wouldn't race, we all won't race. Yeah, that aged about as well as milk. Yeah, it, it got to a point where we, it was pretty clear that at least half the paddock wanted to race still, um, and they were basically counting with their fingers here. Well, wait a minute. Look, let's be honest. It, it's, it reminds me a lot of USA 05 in that it was pretty clear that, you know, 
certain teams are going to try and take full advantage of a competitive situation where all of a sudden half the grid doesn't want to race each other. More than half um, the grid. I was there. Yeah. Chris was there. We were both there in person. We can vividly recall at least the race event that unfolded, the weirdest race weekend that actually went through. This it, one mercifully yeah. didn't. The thing with yeah. the 5 US is that, you know, there were a lot of different solutions that different teams tried to promote, you know, not promote, but, or, you know, implement. Or Bring to the table. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah they there was tried no to... Um, they they had tried to find a solution to the problem because it was within the FIA's powers and the, within the team's powers to find a solution yeah. for that. that was, and there was yeah, no was, band at all on anybody. Yeah, that was talk of a potential chicane on the final corner. There was talk of, why don't you just drive slowly through turn 13? Um, this was... This situation in Melbourne was completely different because not only was someone in the paddock positive for coronavirus which means there's a potential that other people are exposed because people don't live in a vacuum mm. and and ferrari had thrown down the gauntlet not only did they vote no even if the race had gone on they were not going to partic participate one of their drivers was already gone right sebastian vela was on the first flight out yeah on the morning of sebastian and sebastian vettel and kimi raikkonen said you know what Fuck this. And before yeah. anybody knew it, they were on a plane back home. In gold class seats, might <laughs> Yep, and later on, not only was So it they led that, the world championship. Yep, Sebastian Vettel leading the world championship. Yeah. Attaboy. Um, later on in the situation, Charles Leclerc, Ferrari's other driver, and Lewis Hamilton, who perhaps had most to gain out of all of this, also mm. said, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah, and you know, let's, early. Let's, let's, put it, let's put it this way: Lewis Hamilton probably walked away from a guaranteed win. Yeah, yeah against and, his team. You know, pretty much the day prior in a Q and A session, he said he said that they had no reason to be there. That the only reason that they weren't there is that because cash was king to Formula One. Yeah. Remember that it becomes very <laughs> yeah. important later. And the Sebastian direct as well. That's my line. Yeah, Sebastian <laughs> Sebastian Vettel as well implied that the drivers may strike if they try to force the race through. Yeah, mm. Vettel implied that no driver would race if if they had actually run the event. I have the direct yeah. quote from Hamilton. Cash is king. I can't add much more to it. I don't feel I should shy away from my opinion. Oh... Oh, yeah. and, and, um, and, and yeah, yeah. It appears that after McLaren had pulled out, Ferrari were the next team. Just who just bailed on the country, said, "Screw yeah, this, they, we're out of here." They bailed, but uh, unfortunately, they did. They did not formally withdraw, which it, it's arbitrary. But there is a formal process to withdrawal. Ferrari was just not going to show up. Yeah, yeah. Which uh. It's both very Ferrari to do and very un-Ferrari. <laughs> because yes, Ferrari had the, had the moral high ground here, folks. Yeah. This is a very rare situation. Yes, the moral compass, as uh, Vikesh said, because uh, that was not the last we heard about the Mercedes teams. I, I think it's better, better to preface this with, as the day went on, it, it really seemed like it was actually going to happen. Like yeah. they started sending two seater around the around the track. They started letting people into the venue. The two seater, which crashed, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, got, just, 
Yeah. It's a little out there. If that, like, wasn't, oh, if that wasn't a sign, I don't know what is. Overnight, Sky Sports and BBC were putting out conflicting reports. They will race. They won't race. They will race. They won't race. Particularly with Sky. Sky was, you know, saying that this event was going to happen, yet removing the broadcast from their schedule. Yeah, like, yeah, we got this from a friend of the show. I'm not going to mention the name because their account's on private, so I don't want to potentially bust anything there. But let's just say we had a mate at the Grand Prix itself, and and this person may or may not have bumped into the Sky Sports crew, dot, 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 dramatic pause, at the airport after, before FP1 was supposed to start. While at the same time, hours beforehand... Um, Sky Sports F1's Craig Slater, or as I like to call him, that guy you always see on Sky Sports News promoting an F1 race um, every Thursday. He was claiming that the race was going to go ahead, um, and they put it as a. And another way, this wasn't low key. They put it. A, they put it as a great big yellow text breaking news story. Aussie Grand Prix will go ahead. They were adamant on this. Um, well, at the same time, they were yanking Johnny Herbert and Natalie Pinkham on the first plane out of Australia. Um, well, at the same time, and as, as RJ alluded to, Andrew Benson for BBC Sport was claiming the race would not go ahead. Um, so all of a sudden, somebody had gotten this very, very wrong. Yeah, and <laughs> so, we had conflicting reports from just about every news media outlet you could imagine. Pretty much. Oh, yes. Where's Chase yeah. carrying all this? Taking a red-eye flight back from Vietnam, trying to smooth things over with them because that race was going to get postponed. Oh, Lord. And pretty much, again, so far, the teams we mentioned that were either withdrawn or just not show up were teams that were already voting no to begin with. There was still a 5-5 deadlock. Yeah. yeah, even though two of the teams had already said, screw this, and have left the country to the best of their abilities. Yeah, and like there are eyewitness accounts of uh, the Verstappens, Max and Yas, getting in a shouting match with Helmut Marko and Christian Horner over Red Bull voting yes. Yeah, Red Bull and AlphaTauri, and I put this more on Horner and Marko, they were pretty much the last of the holdouts. Yes, yep. because Daimler CEO... Called up Toto Wolf. Now, Toto Wolf is the head of Mercedes-Benz Motorsport. Beneath yeah. the board of directors, he has total control and power over the He's situation. Next in line. He is next yeah. in line. And Daimler CEO was I believe they didn't give him a hard you need to pull out of this race, but more or less screamed him out over the phone. Well, yeah. again, the report that he didn't that he didn't get a hard, you know he needs to pull out this race. That's from Toto Wolf. Toto Wolf says that. We don't know what was said on that call. I thought that came out yeah. on the monolith. Well, yeah. Look, it, in look, an interview it, with Toto Wolf. God Drake, damn it, Toto. So, so let's assume <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, what, what I was going to say here is, is that it doesn't even really matter what was said on the call. If the CEO of Daimler has to call you hours before... A free practice one to basically yank you out of the yank you out of the race weekend. Again, you've probably monumentally screwed up. Yeah, which then left only two teams: Red Bull Honda and AlphaTauri Honda, and who, they wanted to still race with only four cars. And keep in mind, at this stage, the race had already been been announced as a closed door event. Yeah, yes. Right. They wanted because to put on a four-car exhibition 
And this is while Yoss and Max were leaving the country without their crown jewel of their young driver program. Yeah, right. Yoss yeah, and Max had yanked themselves out at this point. Yeah, and that's... And it was being run as a closed-door race, not because Formula One wanted to be run as a closed-door event, but because the government of Victoria, the state where Melbourne's in, uh, stepped the in. government and, chipped in! <laughs> yeah, the government said it had to be run as a closed-door event. Yeah, but even still, you had... 33 you had you had yeah. several thousand people queued up at the gates ready to get in to watch FP1. Yeah, yeah. they they said this within an hour of when FP1 was supposed to start. And at the same time, quite a few people who were there at the gates were team members coming to pack up their stuff and walk. There's literal pictures of Ferrari with their gear and suitcases leaving the track. There was, like, part of the video coverage of the story of this race being cancelled on Sky Sports was Johnny Herbert leaving the track, smiles and alls, while putting on a mask. It kind of says it all, really. (laughs) So, yeah. At this point, you've already failed uh, when it comes to the safety standpoint of a race promoter because now, in a dangerous pandemic situation, you've now got thousands of fans in a closed social space waiting to come into a track for a race they don't even know has been cancelled yet. Yeah, because it hadn't been cancelled yet. It it hadn't been cancelled yet. But with that call, that fateful call with Mercedes going in... You know, saying that we're going to race, and then Toto Wolf getting a phone call from Ola Kalenius, and then after that call saying, hey, we're not going to race, the deadlock was broken. Now, the majority of teams no longer wanted to race, meaning that the FIA and FOM could not run the race without without any financial consequences. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, it also appears the government of Victoria also are the ones who finally stepped in and said, no, you're not racing. But the thing is, there's so many conflicting reports because at this point, everyone wants to take credit for canceling the race. Mercedes in their press release. Mercedes tried really (laughs) hard to spin this. The, The classic Mercedes social media spin machine was spinning at full speed, trying to say, no, we aren't the reason why this lasted about 12 hours longer than it needed to. But you, but but they actually absolutely were, and if it, and if, if Total Wolf had gotten his way, they would have all raced. Yes, and you want anyone to blame on this? Red Bull and Merck are your mans, and the Formula One management is not blameless as well. Yeah, this, this was, was this was a damning view. How yeah. how would we and, describe this for a big test for F one's new management? A failure. A the massive failure fucking failure. The thing yeah, is that failure. it was a lose-lose on their part. Right. That for yeah. any any person in that position, it was a lose-lose. Because if they had called the race off earlier than the teams wanted to call it off, they would have had to pay back the hundreds of millions of dollars the Australian Grand Prix Corporation pays to host the race. Pretty much leaving them in the same situation that pretty much every comic book, anime, video game convention, every one of them is in now because they're probably going to go bankrupt by the time this thing's over. Mm -hmm. And if, if they had done that and taken the hit, Liberty Media would have been fine with it. But the problem is that approximately half of that 
of that sanctioning fee goes to the teams. So the teams that wanted to race would have complained their asses off about losing that money. We wanted to race. Why are we, why are we getting paid? As Lewis Hamilton said, cash is king. And then, yes, the statement from Formula One, specifically oh. Chase Carey, saying, hey, we cancel the race. This proves that cash isn't king. Despite Fuck the off. reason you wait, despite the reason Formula One management waited this long to cancel the race is because you didn't want to lose money. Fuck off, Chase. Right. Fuck yeah, off. Yeah, like, turn, turning that around and trying to make Lewis Hamilton a scapegoat and trying to basically beat your chest over a colossal failure and mismanagement of this, quote, Grand Prix in inverted commas, is pathetic. Because even F1's statement after the race got cancelled, claiming that, the, you know, the, the teams had a... They, they, there was a vote last night and the majority of the teams said we don't want to race. That's strictly speaking not true. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, like, it's, it's, it's an actual bold lie. Yeah, it was a barefaced lie. It completely conflicts um, with the actual vote and all the media who would work their asses off for any story they could possibly get in the middle of this chaos. You know, the Luke Smiths of the world, the Albert Fabregas of the world that had genuinely gone out of their way to basically find out what had happened in between. Many of them who had gotten it wrong, not entirely their own fault, given how messy this situation was to begin with. Given yeah. how little and their the communication there was. And how little, how little concern was given to their well-being when, when I forgot who it was. I think it was Chris Midland who tweeted yeah. out like he asked the FIA if it was okay to go into the media center before the day had started, and the FIA responded like, "Oh, come in at your own risk." And like, really? Yeah. That what what stood out to me was just almost indifference it felt like, from the FIA and FOM right. on this, where until it got to the stage where, okay, the race is cancelled, we didn't get much in the way of statements, we didn't get much in the way of news, which is why we have so many conflicting reports. There's still conflicting reports. There's a lot of aspects yep. of this we still don't know, because we're probably never gonna know. Until the... I, I, I know we'll get to this when we talk about the IndyCar side of the yeah. weekend, but it was like night and day, where... Where with IndyCar, there was a clear progression of things were getting worse and worse, and we kind of had some sort of understanding. In Australia, it was just straight from the race is happening to actually it's not, with little indication that it was going to happen. Right. Yeah, and all, all the while, the FIA and FOM, until the race was canceled, just kept their mouths shut. They didn't say anything. Nothing. Not right. a word. It was total radio silence. Until the situation got so bad and we had already found out that we had a vote deadlock and we had corporate CEOs calling their teams to back them out of this race. Yeah. It, yeah. And all and all this was in the, the space of what, twelve hours? Yeah, twelve hours. It, between McLaren pull, between McLaren pulling out and this and FP one starting and basically the whole race being effectively cancelled. And it, Formula One finally releasing a statement talking about why the Grand Prix had cancelled and the lie that had come with it. This was one of the biggest political farces that this sport has ever seen. I'd argue Without it might be the biggest. Because, uh, you know what? You put thousands of people's lives at risk. Yes, that's mm -hmm. what makes it so bad. And 
it's not like this is out of the blue and there are ways to get around this. Like, if I was if I was Chase carrying the situation, like knowing that Australia has confirmed cases, that Victoria and Melbourne has confirmed cases, and just last week they had hosted a major international women's cricket tournament in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The- I would have tried to negotiate a closed door race as soon as possible. So to put that into perspective, what- yeah. So to, to, to perspective, Kim, for just a second, that women's World Cup um, T20 final between Australia and India was the third most watched ev- female sports event ever. They had, they had 86,000 in attendance. Yeah. It's- like, there's a potential for hundreds of cases in Melbourne, but yeah, that this, just weren't this, this tested for yet. F1, like, they were, instead of being proactive about this, they waited until the situation was unsustainable. Yeah, the best anything. case scenario would have been to negotiate with the promoters as soon as possible to run the race under closed doors so that when you had to cancel the race, it would be far less disruptive. The pinnacle yeah. of motorsport woke up with the house already halfway on fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, they came home. They came home to the house on fire. Hung out in it for a while and then realized, "Oh, shit, that's smoke." It made yeah. no sense because all the signs were there and they waited until the situation was completely out of control to do anything about it. To even issue a yeah. statement on it. This was pure unbridled negligence from Formula 1 that, you know, could easily have been a massive factor as to what this pandemic is and you know it could have done countless damage to australia as a country because of the amount of potential cases the hotbed of potential cases was going to be they were predicting three hundred and thirty thousand in attendance for this grand prix over the course of the three-day weekend like this could have this 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 could have been a, a legitimate national disaster yeah this was this was one of the big like you know what sod it it's not november we're calling it now everyone involved in this grand prix wins the motorsport 101 golden cock award nothing is stopping this between now and Trey, november no no, no you don't I, know yet i you propose don't know. i propose something else they win the golden covid oh, oh. One thing, if I may suggest, or that we have to look at how you know two sided the FIA is with this whole situation. In Melbourne, it took them so long to finally come to a decision, but yet in the same token, the FIA on Wednesday night U.S. time said, "Uh, one thousand miles of Sebring, you're done." Yeah, yeah. The the WEC had already begun to uh, begun to call events already. Yeah, blink. Yeah, because there's no way for there's their, you know, all the participants to get to the race. It was a no-brainer. And the thing is that people need to remember that the FIA isn't a monolith. Like, there are different FIA officials in charge of each of these events. Yeah, it's um, it's a very multi-chambered organization with different people running different portions of it. But even so, you have to look across the office and say, hmm, if they're canceling their race and it's weeks away... We gotta look at doing the same for ours. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like, read, read the, the room. room. Oh God! Like, nice tray. Like <laughs> from a month from now, we probably could get rough numbers to say that in terms of deaths. Unfortunately, this could be 
the deadliest motorsport disaster in the history of the sport. Though it won't be called as that because technically the race never happened. Uh, yes, these people were had tickets to the event, showed up at the gates, and were sent away. But literally, you you put their lives in grave danger. Jeez. And that's why I say this is the worst. This this makes USA 2005 look like a drop in the bucket. Right. Yeah. You literally put thousands and thousands of lives at risk by potential exposure. This 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 was this wasn't this was a com- completely catastrophic situation. As in the loop would say, this is what we would call a catastrophe. <laughs> um, um, if I was Jamie McDonald sitting here right now with a Scottish accent, um, this would be a complete catastrophe. Like F one was appalling in the way they handled this. We know, like we know, it's normally fun to dunk on Formula One. It's the cool thing to do on the internet. We're not this the, is completely this is, justified. This is dead serious. Yeah. yeah, this is this- dead serious. And thankfully, after this cancellation, Formula One was quick to pretty much oh, really? <laughs> postpone every race now until well on it's paper. Tentatively, yeah, tentatively, the next scheduled race is the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. Though it's seeming like that that has a big asterisk next to it. Realistically, we're probably coming back around the Azerbaijan Grand Prix or the Canadian Grand Prix. And of course, they didn't do themselves any favors when Formula One management said, we'll be back, I believe, at the beginning of May. And the FIA said, we'll be back at the end of May. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, again, just kind of says it all, really, about the communication between these two parties. It's, It's looking more like the end of May, quite frankly. Um, I'll be stunned if we end up racing at Zandvoort, which would be which would be a complete disaster for the track because they've just spent a bajillion amount of money renovating the damn thing. Um, and yeah, again, the Netherlands has proven to be one of the hotbeds for this uh, for this coronavirus, and uh, the Dutch Grand Prix is projected to have the highest attendance of any race on the calendar. So that's not happening. No chance. Minus 2% of a chance that goes down. Yeah, Um, and uh, as it stands, because so many races have been postponed and or cancelled, Formula One has chosen to effectively cancel its summer break and move it to now. Right. We're having that now. We might have the 2020 run regs move to 2022. When we do move up the summer break, it's going to mean a heavily condensed calendar with triple headers, potentially even a quadruple header is what we're hearing. It's going to be very dependent on which races can take place where, because for for a few race weekends, that's just not that's not possible with the turnaround. Yeah, like we'll we'll talk about the updated schedule after we talk about the other major yeah. series. Oh, we do have a um, we do have a confirm because um, in this shutdown, in the next six weeks, you can shut down for a period of three weeks at any time within that period. So we know Ferrari and Haas, which kind of makes sense, really. They're both doing their three week shutdowns starting now. on the nineteenth of this month. Pretty much, Alfa Romeo. Yeah, pretty yeah, much now. Pretty, pretty, yeah, now. <laughs> As we sit here, the air we breathe. Alfa Romeo on the 23rd of this month. Red Bull on the 27th of this month. Because, of course, it doesn't help that because Italy is quite literally shut down right now. All the factories are shut down for almost everybody. 
Yeah. Yeah. Ferrari literally closed its doors two days ago. Yes. This leaves them at an actual competitive disadvantage. And that's one of the reasons I think they move this back so that teams with factories that don't get shut down don't steal a march on them. Because it's completely out of their control. There's really nothing they can do. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, this is sort of really like the best case scenario from a competitive standpoint. Because unfortunately, this is going to have a crippling effect on the on the staff involved in these teams. I already know for a fact that I have friends on Facebook, one of which that was planning to get married during during the original F1 summer break, and now that might have to be postponed because, well, there's a good chance they're going to be on the road between between now and obviously then because now. That's given the green light for basically the sport to organise itself through where that sunbreak originally would be, end of July, early August, basically. Yeah, I have the um, statement in front of me. In light of the global impact of the COVID-19 coronavirus currently affecting the organisation of FIA Formula One World Championship events, the World Motorsport Council has approved a change to the 2020 FIA Formula One sporting regulations. Moving the summer shutdown period from July and August to March and April, and extending it from 14 to 21 days. All competitors must therefore observe a shutdown period of 21 consecutive days during the months of March and or April. The change was supported unanimously by both the F1 Strategy Group and F1 Commission. The rare case where the strategy group actually unanimously agreed on something. What a yeah, miracle. Th- that, that's how wild the situation is. Everyone's agreeing. Yeah. Yeah, shut it down because they don't want they don't want a competitive advantage. Like it's it's or disadvantage depending on the situation. So it makes sense. Again, it sucks from a humanitarian standpoint, which which is shit. No note about it because if anything, I'm glad that the fans on Twitter have actually had a, a fair amount of empathy towards the teams, the crews, and whatnot. We were, there was already groans about the potential of a 22 race calendar this season right. as it is. We're probably not getting that now. Um, Definitely um, not, because uh, um, as mentioned earlier, you can't really have a race on Monaco streets when the streets aren't shut down. Right, so... So, I mean, it's probably going to be a lot less than 22 by the time this year plays out. We still don't know just how long the FIA and Formula 1 are willing to have this this most likely extended season go on till now and there's, there's already there's been, the idea uh, that we might have a season that extends into next year well super I haven't seen super I haven't season seen that I would say not to discuss specifics until we actually get to coming yeah. back yeah. but the most realistic extension I've seen was that Abu Dhabi would be pushed back one week to accommodate Bahrain being moved into that slot. So we'd, the season would end on a double header in the Gulf states. Which makes sense. That would sense. make sense. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, again, then, we'll, then, we'll then, have to then, wait and see till like well, we actually see what they come up with. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But the scary thought is possibly triple or even quadruple headers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've if you've seen yeah. MotoGP's restructured calendar, given their cancellations lately, there's now going to be eight races in ten weeks on their calendar, Jesus. You, which is which is horrendous. Because if, if somebody gets injured at the top That's of the season, their season is their season is over effectively. Because even a minor injury in MotoGP has now put people out sometimes for three or four races. When Jorge Lorenzo had. That horrendous high side in Thailand, which signaled the end of his MotoGP career. Not that we knew it at the time. Well, 
for multiple reasons now. Um, he missed four races. He didn't come back till the season finale in Valencia because he missed the triple header of flyaways that came straight afterwards. Um, and as now going to be two right of now. Those. Yeah, as it stands right now in November, <laughs> MotoGP will be racing at pretty much four out of the five weekends in November. Jeez. Which is just crazy. Uh, it's yeah, and of course the uh, the potential pushback of the 2021 regulations is of course because when you're developing this year's car and next year's car, and next year's car is an all new set of regulations, and it is a big change on the regulation side. You often sacrifice the current year, and most teams were setting it up so the first three or four races this year would determine if they go all in on next year or if they continue the balanced approach. Or if they continue to participate at all, like a like a Haas or a Renault. Yeah, well, that's kind of mm. out of the that's kind of out of question now. Well, it would be awkward if if Renault pulled out of the sport. Now they have this new shiny title sponsor, DP Ports. Uh, well, Dubai oh, yeah. Ports World, oh, yeah. DP oh, World. Oh yeah, Dick Picks World. <laughs> Daytona Prototype <laughs> World. Uh, uh, I was literally about to say Double Penetration, but fair enough. Um, oh lord, I didn't but say yes. it. <laughs> but yes, Renault have announced a new title sponsor for this year, and it's a big one. Though, you know, the whole unveiling in Australia, and they were supposed to have, you know, participate in the race. Obviously, that's not important now. And that all-new livery with slightly more yellow. Just a dab. you love to see it. And uh, also he signed an extension with Castrol and, B- and uh, BP to continue yeah. supplying them. Their fuel and lubricants. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But I think we need to discuss yeah. Thursday in America for American racing. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Call forth the holiday. <laughs> Chris, oh, what did I miss? Chris, um, so take us through the kind of progression that happened from Grand Prix of St. Petersburg going forth the schedule to it not happening. All right, so uh, first things first, I'm going to start with Wednesday evening. Um, I was planning on getting a couple of hours of sleep after doing some laundry, and then all of a sudden the FIA announced that they were going to cancel the uh, 1,000 miles of Sebring, and then all of a sudden left and right things started to happen, and what did I get? No sleep. So I got on the plane uh, from Indianapolis, flew down to Tampa, and I was waiting there for about an hour and a half for my good friend Joey Barnes. Um Right after I landed, I see that there's an announcement that the mayor has said there will be no spectators allowed at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. I'm like... Yeah. And for those listening at home, that was the Thursday. Yes. Um, So then they say, uh, okay, we're going to have an announcement about the IMSA 12 hours of Sebring at 1 o'clock. Joey gets to the airport. We start chatting about what's going to... about this weekend and all of that. And we were waiting at the airport because Matt Weaver was supposed to pick us both up and take us to St. Petersburg. But unfortunately, he had to stop by the side of the road several times to edit stories and post stories because NASCAR at this point was saying, we're going to probably run the next two races behind closed doors as well. Though, I I should add in, uh, at the same point in time... And Andretti Holler was burning on the side of an interstate. Yeah, oh, we yeah. completely oh. forgot about this. Colton Herta's Holler <laughs> caught fire, and this is like maybe the twelfth weirdest thing that happened in the world of racing. On the register. <laughs> clearly, uh, clearly, he got Zach Veach's car from last year. He didn't forget to yeah, bring the heat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that that and that took place about 15 miles or 20 miles away from the track as well. So, as you can tell, the matrix clearly has been broken. Now we're looking ahead <laughs> to um, Thursday afternoon, and there's going to be a press conference at three o'clock at the St. Petersburg Police Department. Now, before that press conference, Joey and myself had gotten a lift over to the credentials office where we were going to pick up our credentials. Joey was picking up his hard card. I had a single event credential because I was in the process of actually launching my own website, which right now is kind of on hold because there's nothing going on. All right. Mm. So uh, we get to the credential office, and it's closed, and there may not be anybody there for the rest of the day. Um, so about... 2.40 in the afternoon, I started hightailing it to the uh, press conference with my backpack and my suitcase, because at this point, we hadn't checked into the hotel room yet. So I'm just wheeling the suitcase down the road, down the uh, sidewalk, trying to cross the street two or three different times. I get to the press conference right after it started, and they said, we're going to run the Grand Prix. Uh, the Grand Prix will go ahead behind closed doors, limited access, and everyone's going to have to park remotely on the track, you know, away from the track, get shuttled in, and complete a medical questionnaire and get scanned medically. Um, right. So that happened. Um, meanwhile, I'm trying to figure out if I still have a credential to cover the event um, because I had gotten approved to cover the event, you know, soon after the credential deadline had shut down. Um, at this point, we went to the hotel. We... I took a shower. After getting out of the shower, I got an email that my credential had been um, rescinded because they were limiting access to the to non to media at the event. I even knew hard card holders that got their uh, credential rescinded for the event as well. So they were yeah, really like being it, serious about it, that. It seemed like those approved to be there were on one of the broadcast teams. Or they were from, like, a really, really select number of print publications. Yeah, that's accurate. Um, so then, um, here, here's the really interesting thing. You had to be at the medical screening area between 6 a.m. and 8 a.m. After that, they would not let anybody else in. Um, everybody had to... So, of course, you have all these people in this one area. Brilliant, right? Um, to get to get screened. Now, of course, my sleeping pattern is normally messed up as it is. I was actually awake at 6 a.m. after sleeping for a few hours, and they were both, Matt and Joey just went off to go to the track and see what was going on. Meanwhile, I went back to sleep. Woke up around 11.30 in the morning, and Matt said, hey, the race is canceled, and that's how I found out the race had been canceled. Um, Ten minutes later, I saw the uh, release in my inbox that the race had been canceled, Fifteen minutes after that, I booked a flight to New Orleans to go see my parents. Ten minutes after that, I was in an Uber to the airport. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like that. A whole weekend, like a lot of these sporting weekends, gone from... not. Yes. They were pl originally planning when they first closed the doors this event. It was going to be a two-day weekend. Practice and qualifying on Saturday, then the race on Sunday with no spectators. And then we don't yeah. even have that. And again, and as then, we mentioned earlier, look at the contrast between the, the clarity that IndyCar and the media gave everyone versus the shitstorm in Melbourne. There was yeah, now before you say that, I will also say this: IMSA did announce that there were going to be a new dates for Sebring uh, at one o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, November 11th through the 14th. They were going to combine it with the IMSA Encore, um, the postseason Encore, um, which 
you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that it's all going to take place. We went but... from Super Sebring to regular Sebring to delayed Sebring. <laughs> yes. Um, although, actually, IMSA is now selling at a discounted rate Super Sebring merchandise on the cheap. So if you want collectible yeah. items... Yeah. From a race that never happened. Exactly. Along with the Australian GP programs on Motorsport Magazine's site. I was about well, to my... mention that. That posted in our news bot in our Discord. The poster for the Australian Grand Prix, the race that never happened. Well, don't forget, the, I Indianapolis, need, I need <laughs> the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was selling Fernando Alonso di- diecast from last year's 500 at 40% oh off. Oh my god. <laughs> I need that poster. <laughs> Give me a link to that poster. I need it on the, my wall. The Sebring in- poster was actually kind of cool because it had both the prototypes coming in from two different angles, so you could say it was like a convergence poster. Um, <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> the thing is, that was a really cool poster, though. Well, and at the same uh, time, the delay of Sabring has also pushed back the announcement of the final LMDH regulations because this uh, was supposed to be the big you know, combined event where you see the WEC and IMSA working together. That's pushed well, back now. So another thing about um, this whole situation, uh, there was you know communication from IndyCar. However, there, in that some cases, there, weren't, there wasn't communication from IndyCar in that the credential office was shut down, but there was no announcement from the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg saying that the credential office was shut down and how long it would be shut down. Nor yeah, was I there... Mean, in fairness to the series, that is a lot on the race. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's why I said there, there should have been an announcement by the St. Petersburg like Grand Prix Association saying, hey, the credential office is shut down. We don't know when it's going to reopen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. I mean, that can be communicated through social media. Everyone has smartphones. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's – and then uh, IndyCar announced not only did they cancel St. Petersburg, they've canceled the races in March and in April. So the yeah. Grand Prix of Long Beach, the – Auto Nation IndyCar Challenge at Circuit of the Americas and the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. Now, since that time, uh, the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach was trying everything they could to get back onto the schedule. However, the story came out today that the race is officially canceled for 2020, meaning that this will be the first time since I want to say 1973 that there will not be cars racing in Long Beach, California in April. Which oh, is insane. Crazy. They even got Long Beach on the schedule in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then you're looking at Barber and Coda. They could technically be back on the schedule because they're permanent road courses. However, both exactly. websites have mentioned uh, refunds for tickets. So I'm thinking that those races may not take place. Um, yeah. Given that. Because. Uh, the the only place where Coda could realistically slot in the schedule would be after the already scheduled season finale. Yeah, and Coda as well. They've had to announce layoffs because they're having to get rid of staff over this. Just, just for just for the spring. Just, just for, for the, the spring, spring, but still. Yeah. And then we have more yep. cancellations coming in because IMSA announced that the Acura Sports Car Challenge at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course has also been postponed after the May 1st through 3rd weekend. Now, Mm -hmm. as it stands right now, as of recording, the first race on the IndyCar schedule is the GMR Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course on Mother's Day weekend. However, and this is a big however, we have no idea what is going to happen in these next six weeks. Yeah, the situation is changing hour by hour. 
literally hour by hour, we had a situation where the the uh, seat Center for Disease Control in the United States said no more gatherings of 50 people or more, and then the very next day said we don't want people gathering in groups of 10 or more. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it should be important to note, specific to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, there are currently 40 confirmed cases in the state of Indiana, with 11 being in Marion County, where Indianapolis is. Mm-hmm. And currently, I, there's I think one or two in Hamilton County, which is the county that I actually live in. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, it isn't postponed yet, but expect yep. it. So it's yeah, probably the series, coming. the series and the Speedway are trying to do everything in their power to make sure the month of May goes on as scheduled. Will that happen? We'll have to wait and see. I imagine at minimum that. Everything but the race will be closed doors, which will be really weird for Indianapolis. Yeah, agreed. But I suppose it's really weird for everyone right now. We haven't seen anything like impact us like this since the immediate aftermath of September 11, the immediate aftermath of the Lamont disaster '55, the first and second world wars. That's the level that that's we're a, at right now. That's how it's a, a hell of a crew. Yeah, pretty much. You know, thank goodness, at least in my hometown, all we have is a guy who lives no more than 15 minutes away hoarding all this hand sanitizer and then having to give it back forcibly. We should Man. mention that, actually. Yeah, so to oh talk about God. what RJ just mentioned, a guy uh, and his, uh, what was it, brother, friend, whatever, yeah. they went around and to different dollar stores and other stores and bought 17,700 bottles of hand sanitizer and other Clorox wipes and other assorted wipes and we're selling them on Amazon for like two, three, or four times the price or even higher than that and then Amazon and eBay shut down his account and based on after the public pressure that went on him uh, he ended up donating all of it. Yeah. Though okay. not all of it was voluntarily well, because almost, there were people yeah. taking it out via tr- by the and- truckload. What and on dick. the other side of the spectrum, uh, my city, the city of New York, is on the verge of being under complete lockdown, and the United States Navy is deploying the USNS Comfort, their hospital ship, to New York. Uh, <laughs> there is a case literally 15 minutes from me, so... Yeah. This is all really... Honestly, it's a little bit scary. And for people who, you know, can't, you know, telecommute or work for home, um, and there's going to be a lot of stress. There will be a lot of people who are involved in motorsports who will not have jobs by the time this thing resolves, if and when it does resolve. Yeah, because uh, I'm pretty sure we, we, we already know people who've already lost jobs over yeah, this. And we know that yeah. there's multiple websites and publications that are actively trying to find work for people to keep them from losing their jobs. I mean, Jamie Price posted on Twitter um, that with all the events that have been canceled so far, he's lost over $30,000 in freelance assignments. So, yeah. yeah. And remember, this is the National Motorsports Press Association Photographer of the Year. He just won the award in January. It's bringing bringing industries to a grinding halt. As I mentioned uh, during one of the audio breaks earlier, the big three, Ford... GM and Chrysler shutting down their automotive plants until March 30th. And that was mainly under pressure from the United Auto Workers because they don't want to put any union member at undue risk in a factory. 
Yep. Right. And uh, Honda as well now in, in North America. So <sighs> it's kind of we're really pushing not only our economic system, but our political <laughs> and social systems through yeah. the most stress that we've had since the Second World War. Yeah, um, speaking of which, how about that multiple trillions of dollars being pumped into Wall Street? Only for yes. it all to disappear in a half hour. Yeah, and just burning gone. into the wind. So, yes, for those who don't know, <coughs> the, the Federal Reserve over the course of the weekend, including what is already being called Black Monday because... It's the largest stock market crash ever, by percentage, since, well, of all time. It's even bigger than the Black Monday of 1929. Uh, The Federal Reserve pumped $2.5 trillion into the economy to try to keep it somewhat afloat, and it is... Burning into the wind. Right. the, the money's gone, but the economy is still around. It, yeah, it, it did what it was meant to do, but the money is burning very quickly. I could yes. tell you in Japan, you know, they're underreporting the number of cases that they have. It's an open secret. And you know why? Because they got a very big sporting event coming up, and their prime minister does not want to lose it as it is scheduled. Oh, even yes, though... a small matter of something called the Olympic Games. Yes, how's yes. things holding up over there, Dre? Um, not good. Uh, essentially, just about every major series worth a damn that is based in the United Kingdom is postponed at least until April fourth. Though, That's... though we we do have to note that you know a few series, including the British Touring Car Championship. At, which does include British Formula 4 and the support card, we're pretty much just towing the government line, doing whatever the government recommended, up until literally earlier today, right. where they decided, hey, enough's enough, we actually need to close down. Right. That pretty much, the up until recently, as in literally a few hours ago, the mm. British government stance was to continue on as normal. Not to get too political, as people love that buzzword on this show. Call it what it is, like, in the sense of Boris doesn't want to basically piss off the insurance firms by putting a hard and fast rule in banning mass gatherings or banning, like, or basically following the lead of other major European countries, either by going into a full lockdown or basically banning anything with a, with a, with a mass gathering. They've just suggested... Um, not to do that, and it's pissed off a lot of people, particularly me, a London guy, where London has more active cases of this virus than anywhere else in the country, by a country mile. Um, yeah, like, like, I think the last time I checked it was like a third of all cases in Britain were in London. Right, and let's, to put it into perspective, like, England were the, were the last to jump on the wagon of closing all their schools, which they announced literally about three hours ago. Um, and Ireland, to put it into perspective, closed all their pubs the day before St. Patrick's Day. That's when you know it's serious. <laughs> Tom Brady told- Tom Brady left the Patriots and all the bars in Boston were closed. D- perspective, folks. They, no. cl- they, they closed all their pubs on St. Patrick's Day, which is alarming. 
Though pivoting back to sports, with you know the nation of Japan trying to have the Olympic Games as scheduled, it's looking like if the games were to happen as scheduled, it is highly likely that a lot of nations would even have Olympic teams to send. The the USOC has pretty much like. They already run their Olympic trials really late, like already in June. Those are still planned to be run as normal. But British Swimming, they canceled their Olympic trials. A lot mm-hmm. of other countries are also pushing their Olympic trials back to June. So it's literally on the borderline of when you need to have a team ready to go for the games in July. Yeah. And the IOC are already out here pretty much implying that, yeah, we want to postpone the games till uh, either the fall in Japan, like October, or maybe even December, and the emergency, like, last chance thing that the IOC has on the table is pushing back the games of the 32nd Olympiad to 2021. Unthinkable. An odd numbered Olympic Games. (laughs) That's going to be an even bigger shit show than the St. Louis Marathon. I mean, again, to put it into perspective, because football got... Because football, I mean, Italy led the way on this. Their league being suspended after Juventus defender Daniel Rigani was the first player to have actually caught it themselves in a closed-doors game they played against Inter Milan a couple of days prior. Rigani was an unused substitute in the game, but still contracted it. Inter and Juventus went into, went, went into isolation. The league got suspended. It turns out that four players at Sampdoria, also in the league, had also got it. Every other major league pretty much followed suit by suspending games immediately. And now as a result of that, with the pressure of having to finish leagues, many of them have, have much of as, as many as 11 games still to play, like in Spain. The Premier League has 9 to 10 left, depending on which team you are in the league, because some places have a game in hand. The, the, the European Championships have now been postponed until this until June 2021, with the hope of trying to get all their seasons finished by June 30th here. This has been a this has been the biggest impact on the world of sport maybe ever as we know it as as a, as a species. Um, we do not exaggerate this in the slightest. Uh, yeah, um, again, the only thing I can really think of is comparable: World War One and Two. Yeah, effectively, a hell and of a company. Su- surprisingly. The gold standard in transparency through this crisis might have to go to Formula E, where they're very open yeah. about races that are no longer possible, races that might happen, and races that seem to be fine at the moment. And they graded all those races by a flag system like we have in motorsport, with the definitely cancelled races being a red flag, uh, rescheduled races being yellows, and, mm. you know okay races being given a green flag yeah and we haven't talked also about nascar who as we mentioned earlier were going to run their next two events behind closed doors as things develop they just said no we're just going to postpone them super gt had a two-day test behind closed doors that was about the only live motorsport of any high level that happened and Mm. they just announced their their opening round is going to be postponed but they're going to have another test next week so you say that was the only live motorsport this weekend. Uh, there was Rally Mexico. Yeah, and... it was that, and it was Super yeah. GT testing, and it was Rally Mexico. And Rally so, Mexico was shortened by a day. Rally Mexico was shortened midway through the competition, and it ended up being 
Sebastian Ogier's first win at Toyota. Yeah, Sebastian Ogier laid the hammer on everybody. Oh my he, god. He he not only laid the hammer on the field, but he laid the hammer on the promoters when he got out of the car and said pretty much why are we even here yeah. right now? We saw right. Sebastian Ogier angry on Maine. If I may say this as well, uh, just to go back to the IndyCar thing, uh, you're talking about transparency and all. I anybody else glad that we have Roger Penske now at the head of the IndyCar series and at the Speedway yeah. that that changed hands over the off season? Again, I don't think yeah. there's yeah. any hands that could be better to handle this situation, and yeah. I think they're doing the best they can. Yeah, I'm sure I, he didn't I, game plan for a for a global pandemic. Even, even Roger Penske <laughs> can't game plan for that. He game plans for I, a lot. Uh, I, I disagree. This is the final season of the Penske games. I'm not here for this. <laughs> Some sacrifices are necessary, Dre. Never! <laughs> also, Rally yeah. Mexico, so, Lappy's car fucking exploded. Oh Esapeka Lappy's car caught on fire in spectacular fashion. He walked Big away, fire. everybody was fine. He walked away, but the yeah. funny th- the thing is, he drove for a good minute or two with a flame, with, I believe, his gas tank had leaked and caught on fire about the 20th weirdest thing that happened this weekend yeah well the the direct victory lane (laughs) quote from sebastian ogier was quote it's definitely a strange victory for me this weekend i did not want to race basically and i've been convinced to do it and i've done my job but for me protecting human life should go first and i hope we didn't bring any harm harm here to our friends in mexico you know it's bad when I was watching Cheltenham Day 4 and after the event finished, um, the even Paddy Power's own broadcasting team was talking in horrendous guilt. Like, like, like uh, you know, the festival was great and all, but I really hope we haven't infected anybody. Um, oh lads, that horse has bolted, for lack of a better pun. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this has been crazy. And to put it all into perspective, I saw a tweet on Twitter, no less than three minutes ago that it was a tweet from Arsenal Football Club saying the Premier League has postponed our match with Man City on Wednesday night as a precautionary measure, talking about how Nottingham Forest's owner had contracted the virus while out in Turkey. This was seven days ago. Seven. That was the first Premier League game suspended. That was a week ago. Look at what's happened since. It is been the freakiest sporting situation I can ever remember ever and uh, like I said we really don't know what's going to happen going forward we, we have rough ideas we have guesstimates there'll be more pushbacks but you know, there'll be more pushbacks by the time we record again in two weeks time I'm almost certain of that um, at least like I am personally with all these races being rescheduled it is going to be clashes galore, and we are. There's, there's going to be. I hate to say, it, there's going to be too much racing. Like in terms of not only uh, viewers getting burnt out watching, but the crews getting teams, the personnel, teams together. Yeah, the team burnout, all that. And, and look at you know drivers who are in multiple series. Good luck. Yeah, how to make your pick? Like. All these races being scheduled, they all can't be aired on television because no. let's see, like because uh, with other sporting events being pushed back as well, you know, basketball, 
MLB, NHL, what have you. These are all going to be fighting for airtime. And just as a rough example, uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans is the same weekend as the currently scheduled IndyCar finale and the Singapore Grand Prix. And there are drivers in IndyCar who are going to be running at Le Mans. <laughs> they won't be able to. <laughs> Depends on which commitment you go for, I guess. Hey, do you really want to piss off Roger Fenske? Yeah, and do you really want to go to Le Mans this year? <laughs> also true. Yeah. And uh, both Le Mans races, the 24 hours of Le Mans and the 24 hours of Le Mans for bikes, also postponed. Yeah. Right. A lot of postponements. Put a bow on it. A lot of postponements. We don't know when we're going to go race again. I hope it's soon. I really hope it's soon. But you see, there is a savior in all of this. What? Racing that's already happened. E-sports ready. Ah, shit. Do we want to jump into Moto2 first, or do we want to talk about e-sports first? Uh, we'll do, we'll do Moto2 first, because surprisingly enough, we we had our first cancellation. We talked about it on the show. Yeah. Uh, the Qatar Grand Prix was still happening just without MotoGP, and yeah. we did get two races. Yeah, we didn't yeah. even talk about it. MotoGP canceled yeah. multiple further races as well. Yes, yeah. that basically everything <laughs> through Argentina has been postponed yeah, and F rescheduled. FIM and, and could not have done anything more differently to the FIA, where the FIM is being all arguably overly conservative by just saying, no, we're even not though, racing And all. the thing is, you, you say they're being overly conservative. No, jokingly. Like, like Argentina is also under threat. Like, yeah, everything. Better to be to overreact than underreact. Yeah, they're yeah, what, they yeah. just decided no, we're not running until a set date. We'll determine that. Whereas the FIA, it, hours before the event, uh, we we have nothing to say. Yeah, I was gonna say right now their first round is scheduled to be Haref, but given how Spain has ex has exploded in the number of cases in the last two or three days, I, I severely doubt, doubt. Big doubt. Big doubt that they'll be racing at Haref or Le Mans the week afterwards, given, again, France is currently in a state of lockdown as well. So, again, there'll be further cancellations. I'm almost Are we going to have that. three races at Le Mans in the fall? Holy shit. Could be. Could very well be. Anywho, as mentioned, if you guys didn't see a couple of weeks ago, because Moto2 and Freeze paddocks were already in Qatar before this virus broke out due to their test... They were uh, they were able to participate in a full race, um, so we did get a Moto Two and Moto Three weekend. Huzzah! Some actual racing we get to talk about on this podcast. Who'd have thought it? We're only an hour and twenty eight minutes in. Um, hey, Rally <laughs> Mexico was spoken about. Oh yeah, <laughs> briefly. Um, but that's just it. Um, so. Let's talk about Moto2, and in the main event of the evening, which is weird to say given it's a Moto2 race, we had a very, very interesting and a very fast, dynamic change in Moto2 race, which is... USA! 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 There was already... As you can tell, there was divided opinion in the house about... There was a lot of hype. Joe Roberts 
out of nowhere for Team American Racing had come out of nowhere and broke the all-time lap record in free practice one. Now, All in fairness, s- these bikes do yeah. have a good deal more horsepower than last year's they bikes. Do. Yeah, But still, first American to lead a session since... Nicky Hayden in his final MotoGP race when he when he was uh, filling in at Repsol Honda for the injured Danny Pedrosa. Um, he was fastest in a rain-affected FP4. I believe that was in 2016, yes. I want to say. Yes, 2016. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah a, a throwback to the 69... No one say it. Um, hey. um, and uh, yes, um, again, great to see an American back near the front of the field. In the race itself, um, shut up, chat. Um, the deal started saying nice bastards. Um, not appropriate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, in the time we got to the race itself, this was, this was hectic. Luca Marini led the majority of this race. Um, two-thirds of the way, he had a comfortable gap on the aforementioned Roberts and Lorenzo Baldessari um, and Enea Bastianini in the leading group. But with about, I'd say, six laps to go, um, well... <laughs> he puts it he, on the floor. He, he puts it on the floor, and it turns out the guys that run the super soft compound, the brand new super soft compound tyre they had brought to Qatar for this race weekend... Um, it dropped off like a stone. Um, and those guys in the leading group that were very, very fast to begin with, like Jorge Martin, for example, had all of a sudden fallen away to the point where by the time the race was over, Martin, who was in the leading group and set for at least the podium, didn't even finish up in the points. Um, more on the God. Yeah, more on that in a, in a minute, but uh, it did lead to a a, a surge, and uh, yeah, King got a nosebleed off this one. Is that a KTM coming up to the front of the field? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, no, it's not Brad Binder, it's Tetsuya Nagashima, <laughs> who out of nowhere stole the march, beat up the field, had brilliant tyre management all the way through, and would go on to win his first Moto2 race for it's Red Bull KTM. It's his first podium. Chassis. It's his first podium, and it's his first win. Yeah, when he dropped the hammer, he left everyone in the dust. MotoGP yeah, he... foreshadowed. What could he do from 14th? As it turns out, once win. he got to the front, he was untouchable. He was completely unbeatable. He, he stole the march, got to the front, beat the field down, and that was the end of that. Um, and again, we, we talked before about Japan's had a bit of a mini resurgence in bike racing in recent years with with uh, with, with many guys coming up the coming up the uh, junior field. It's kind of weird talking about guys like Ayagura, whose hero was Casey Stoner. And I'm like, mm. I was an adult when I watched Casey Stoner race. I feel old. Right. <laughs> and... And yeah, Tetsuya Nagashima won and immediately dedicated the win to his his fallen friend Shoya Tomozawa. The the and this was the first time a Japanese rider had won in the intermediate class since Tomozawa back in the very very first Moto Two race. In I believe Nakagami had won some races in between, but in between, that was but pointed yes. because. This is on the 10th anniversary of Tomazawa winning the very first Moto2 race in Qatar. 
Yeah, in 2010, this very track a decade ago. Some things are just poetic. Um, and yeah, he dedicated the win to show you. Yeah, he even posed with identical pictures in front of the winner's enclosure, which was a beautiful touch. If you have not seen it, um, check out BT Sports Twitter on that. Um, it, 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 it's very touching indeed. He was a hero of Tetsuta. And uh, yeah, it was it was wonderful to see. It, 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 was, it was beautiful scenes. And uh, a, a real heartfelt, emotional win. Didn't even realize Nagashima was a dad of three as well. He's got a young, right. a, a real young family around him as well. Um, right. Three, three, three kids. I don't think any older than like four or five. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it was it was touching. It was lovely stuff. And uh, yeah, Nagashima rode a a brilliant, brilliant race. And uh, yeah. So what does this tell us about the state of Moto Two? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> you love to see it. Mayhem. Um, but. Uh, but well, hey, normally we expect the mayhem in Moto Three. We got it in both classes this time. How's that for a bonus prize? Um, but yeah, Nagashima wins, and again, first Japanese man to lead the championship since Tomozawa back in 2010. Again, because he won that very first Moto Two race here a decade ago. Filling off the podium, Lorenzo Baldazzari in second. He'll take that certainly for a title campaign. And then Aya Bastianini on the podium in third for Italians. Yeah. They had a good. Him. They had a good battle for second for most of this race. Yeah, only a tenth between them over the line as well. So again, the 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 Italian civil war continues <laughs> in Moto Two where they all beat the shit out of each other. Um, Joe Roberts, as mentioned earlier, an excellent weekend, a real coming of age for Roberts. He'd struggled in previous occasions in Moto Two, but with the American racing team he now represents, maybe this a positive sign of of, of uh, what could be the come. Right. Certainly, and he's um, still only twenty-two years old. Oh my God, an American prospect in a mo- motorcycle his Grand Prix finish by a mile. His best finish up to this point was a tenth in his very first race in twenty seventeen in Brno. Indeed, fourth and only two tenths away from second. He'll take it. Uh, 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 maybe not the dream result that the uh, that they've been looking for, but still by a mile his best looking weekend in Moto Two, and it's not even close. Um, Remy Gardner in fifth for the SAG team there. Jorge Navarro, the early bookies title favorite, in sixth for the Speed Up team. Marshall Schrotter seventh for um, Aaron Canet making his Moto2 debut a very solid 8th place for the Aspar team there again on the speed up chassis Xavier Vierge in ninth for the Patronus team and the gatekeeper himself I know him you love him Thomas Luti in 10th um, for the formerly Dynavolt team there Bo Benchneider 11th Marco Bezzecchi in 12th um, Fabio Di Giantonio 13th Jake Dixon I think that's his first points in Moto2 in 14th for the Patronus team. So good for him. We like Jay Dixon on this show. And Stefano Manzi rounding off the points in in 15th place. So many aforementioned guys affected by Tyre. Jorge Martin now in 20th place. 20 seconds off the win. That's how bad his tyres dropped off by the end of that race. 20 um, seconds back in 20th. Yeah, crazy stuff. And yeah, four DNFs, including Luca Marini, who again binned it from the lead. Um, and again, two of, the, two of the big title rivals didn't make it very far either. Augusto Fernandez, who was again many people's pick for the title this year, um, he crashed early on. And Marcos Ramirez making his American Racing Moto 2 debut, sadly, 
did not make it past lap three on that one. I'm not going to go through championship standings because, again, it's just a reflection of the first race. So, Moto3 as well. And uh, guess what, guys? We had Carnage. Hooray! Ooh, gotta I, love Moto3. I know it. You know it. You love to see it. And it's like, it wouldn't be a Moto3 race unless we had a... Top 10 separated by 0.8 of a second. <laughs> because, of course. <laughs> Welcome back, boys. We missed you. <laughs> and we'll continue to miss you as the situation evolves. And maybe he's got a knack for it at this point, but Albert Arenas winning in a chaotic Moto3 race. Stop me if you've heard that one before. So, yeah, a win for Aspar in the end. He beat... The wee McPhee, John McPhee, into second place by half a tenth over the line. McPhee literally just about ran out of road um, trying to beat him to the line in a drag race. It never works in Qatar. I don't know how. It just doesn't. Uh, it's, it's weird. Um, Ayagura ran off the podium in third. Jao Masia in fourth. Um, Tatsuki Suzuki in fifth, Gabby Rodrigo sixth, Jeremy Alcoba seventh, remember him from Valencia, Philippe Salak in eighth, Dennis Fuggia ninth, and Raul Fernandez tenth. If anyone's looking at the timing sheets and wondering why it's a little bit out of order, yeah, five dudes got penalized for breaking track limits on the final lap of the race. Masia, Alcoba, Fernandez, Tony Arbolino, and Gabriel Rodrigo, you're five. Um, one thing we also forgot to mention is that there was another gentleman who was in this lead fight and probably could have had a shot to win it at the very end until he dropped it on the first corner of the final lap. Arise! Binder. Arise, little bender. And then fall again. <laughs> in fairness, he did kind of get punted. Yeah, there was He that. was punted. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to blame that on him. Yeah. We'll have like, plenty of opportunities to do that once we get back underway. Yeah, it, it, it's a bit easy to rag on Darren Binder because he has unfortunately had a knack over the years of uh, unfortunately uh, being involved in, shall we say, aggressive incidents. Um, on, uh, public lobby? Yeah. Public lobby. Yeah, public lobby, um, so to speak. But this one really wasn't on him, in all fairness. Mentioned um, the points real quick. Sergio Garcia, not the golfer, in 11th. Dennis Onsu, 12th. Alonso Lopez, 13th. Clato Tober, 14th. And Tony Arbolibo. By the way, those five guys mentioned all had to drop one position. Hence why the timing screens, if you've ever seen them, look a bit weird. It was a one position drop as a punishment. Um, the race direction are insistent that they are going to be a lot more fluid and dynamic with penalties handed out um, over the course of this season. Whether that actually plays out um, over the, as the course of the season goes on, you be the judge. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, they were all told to drop one position position after the race was over so they were all just docked one place basically so yeah Darren Binder and Jose Julian Garcia the only two guys not to crash some of the guys mentioned didn't get on the points Andrea Mino was 16th um, uh, also Celestino Vietti who's one of the big title prospects was way off the pace he was in an incident himself he was 32 seconds off the pace and because I have to mention him he's back a bike live reference the rain god, Carrie Edam Powie, is back in Moto3 where he belongs. Please have a wet race at some point. I demand a Powie rain god victory. The world needs to see it. He was in 26th. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I had to get that mention in there somewhere. Both these races were great. Go out of your way to see him. We're not seeing Mercedes again for some time. You have no excuse. Oh, it's worth mentioning as well. MotoGP put up. 10 of their all-time classic races up on their video pass in full for free. 
You have no excuse. Go out of your way to watch all of them. They are all classics. I'm going to find my colleague Lewis's tweet, the, the full list. Um, her F96. Yes, that one with the fans on track. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Crivier versus Doohan. Yeah. Donington 2000. Esteril 2006, which I may have made a video on in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that one, the Elias race. Um, Catalina 07, Laguna Seca 2008, Catalina 2009, maybe the best single fight ever seen in, a, on, on, in bike racing history. And its other contender, Laguna Seca 2012, Stoner versus Rossi, which basically for Lorenzo. the first... Oh, so Enzo, yeah, it was Enzo, wasn't it? Yeah, that was long before it was a good sake, right? No, okay, no, uh, yeah. Rossi was riding around on a shitty Ducati. Yes, and I remember the, the 08 was the one I was referencing there between mm. uh, Stoner and Valentino, where basically the first half of that race was a punch-up, um, where a bike race eventually broke out. Um, the Gunaseka 2012... Um, two Philip Island classics, 2015 and 2017. One, a colossal punch-up. The other one, a colossal punch-up, which set the tone for maybe the biggest single incident in the history of the sport. The which didn't make the list. I'll still argue that Philip Island 2015 is the single greatest race I have ever watched live. You know, we might have to sit down and watch it together. We Just, do. We might. We 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 owe it. Well, I I would love to I would love to sit down and just basically do that trilogy at some point. Maybe not all of the other two races involved, but Philip Island twenty fifteen is a very important part of that story that not a lot of people actually talk about, um, because the incidents leading up to that incident, the prelude for it, and the motive behind it all stemmed from Philip Island a week before. Again, this is... Uh, fellas, gentlemen's agreement, watch party on Philip Island 2015? We got time. We, we, got, time. we got a lot of time. <laughs> Done! The first watch party will be Philip Island 2015, ladies and gentlemen. You'll love to see it. Also, the 2017 Classic is in there as well. Again, that was not a race. It was a, it was a bar fight. Um, so much so that Johan Zarko had bits of other people's paint and bodywork on his levers by the time the race was over. I'm not joking. That actually was a thing. I said it and on the show before. We should just run every race in every motorcycle series at Phillip Island all year. Yeah, it's just, just, just do it. Like, it's just it better. Be like a, make it like the Olympic Games. All motorsport will be conducted at Phillip Island. It is, it is the race. You just have it there. Okay, that's just the rules. Um, and the last one, Assen 2018 as well. Another fantastic bloody the, race. The only where... competition for me for. Philip Island 2015. A race where Valentino Rossi gave Jorge Lorenzo a French kiss from the front of his bike and barely made the top 10 in crazy shit that happened during that race. <laughs> um, yeah, all of those races are on MotoGP's video pass for free as we speak. So you have no excuse. Go watch them. In fact, our first watch party will be on Philip Island 2015 coming soon. So, all of that and much more eh, coming soon, hopefully, on GP. Please come back soon, guys. We miss you. Um, so, gentlemen, esports. Esports ready. Yo, esports! King, I know yeah. that you have had harsh words for this publication 
But the race put on a damn good all-star e-race. Nah, and I'm putting it all on studio. I'm putting it all on Studio 397. It was all there, dude. R Factor <laughs> yeah, 2, 2012 spec Formula ISIs with V8 engines. Uh, damn good racing at the Nürburgring Grand Prix Strecke. And a surprise winner at the end of all this. Your first two heat race winners were a little bit expected. Max Verstappen won his qualifier with most of the real-life racers. Rudy Van Buren, world's fastest gamer winner, won the second race. But then we got to... No, 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 we need to talk about one particularly good performance from one Jimmy Broadbent. The man in the shed who said he was going to finish last, finished fifth in his group race. Ahead of Antonio Felix da Costa, ahead of Simon Pagano, ahead of both Juan Pablo and Sebastian Montoya. <laughs> Shed Monaco. Know the difference. Not actually that much difference. See, this is the problem with all you people. You, everybody just thinks Jim is just like a meme when he's actually he's a genuinely a really. Racer. I've raced he's, against him on GT Sports. This is he's all genuinely you're great. doing. I blame all of you for this, you inaccurate gits. He's way better than you guys are making him out. It's just because he's funny and shit. Look, the man can balance out shit posting and driving skill like no one I've ever seen. Yeah, it also did help that a lot of these drivers, well, because these were all last-minute prepared events, some of them came in with last-minute preparation. Mm. Mm. Or but no yes. preparation. Yeah. Verstappen and Van Buren, the two Dutchmen, Grand, Grand slammed both their races. Like, pole, let every lap, fastest lap win. One would kind of expect that from a Formula One Grand Prix winner and the world's fastest gamer. <laughs> right. <laughs> the world's fastest right. gamer. Yeah, those, that Group 2 race, you you almost think like, wow, Bono Huis, uh, fam famous for winning the Vegas E-Race, and Brendan Lee, two-time F1 Esports champion, only finishing third and fifth. Just ahead of stateless Ed Jones and Sixth. But it was enough to make the final, because in all the heat races, you just needed to finish in the top eight. Yeah. Though, we do have to talk about the third Grand Slam of these heat races. The hot lap qualifier. You basically have the set of time, and you're in. It's the largest field of a bunch of guys who don't have a lot of, like, name brand recognition. Like, Slovenian Jurne Simicic, who... Up to this point in his eSport career, according to eSports earnings, had won just 3200 U.S. dollars. Granted, he's also won like 20 races in Formula Sim Racing, and he's got pretty legitimate talents, but we all kind of overlooked this group. I and... felt old as fuck just having Jack Nichols commentate on sim racing cars again. I was like, <laughs> am I 15? <laughs> yeah, we had Jack and Jolien in the commentary box. Yeah, BBC Radio's F1 crew. <laughs> and one of the best pundits in the sport now. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's a weird thing to say, but here we are. <laughs> it was a weird thing to say. Simicic led wire to wire, dominated that race, then got pole position for the final, and led it yeah. wire to wire. Yeah, yep. he grand slammed the main event. Jesus. Up against... <laughs> aforementioned world's fastest gamer and real-life Formula Ooh. One and IndyCar drivers. Yeah, mm -hmm. those should know, man, Max did not have a good day. He was oh, one of a rig. number of drivers that got taken out in the first <laughs> lap, one of including number, Jimmer. One of a number of bad Lee. days for Max Verstappen. More on that in a little bit. <laughs> oh, dear. 
Yeah. Matt C. Gunther didn't have a good time. Eduardo Barrichello, the younger Barrichello, didn't have a good time. Uh, there was a there was an incident where somebody forgot their breaking points. Yeah, though, most importantly, in the final, Broadbent did not finish last. He, I believe he finished ahead of Neil Yanni and I think Edo, Mon- uh, Edo Barrichello. Yeah, and, and Maxi Gunther. Yeah, he finished and ahead. And Maxi Gunther, because <laughs> Gunther failed to finish. Yeah, so Jimmer uh, finished 21st. Yeah. You know, only but, one position behind stateless Ed Jones. Yeah. Though, half have to mention... Great day for IndyCar. Yeah, really great. Really (laughs) great day for IndyCar because Felix Rosenquist, by the way, if you've not watched his first race and seen that massive full-on Keiichi Tsuchiya drift through the infield section. (laughs) Oh, Eurobeat roaring over the hills. Deja vu. I've never been in this place before. Higher on the street. He went on to finish seventh. Again, he's good at this. He finished second in the Vegas E-race a long time ago. Behind yep. Bono, please. Yep. Finish and noted Infinity Gauntlet wielder, Matt. He, Col- oh, my Herta. God. <laughs> Colton Hurt. Colton Hurt had finished ahead of Max Verstappen. Fair play to Matt's for coming back to finish 11th. But damn, what a good day for IndyCar. And what a good day for Yerne Simicic, who doubled his career earnings in one day because he won a $4,000 share of a $10,000 prize announced just minutes before the race. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Now, the funny thing is as well, like, they're doing this again in Bahrain next week, I believe. No, no, this is not this championship doing it. No. Oh, like, we're about to... There's been a lot of esports going on. There's been a lot. Yeah. Like, didn't isn't one of them having a bonus? Yeah. They Which are, one is it? Um, I want to say it's Veloce. They're doing a follow-up event to their first event, which we'll talk about shortly. It'll be two races. No, between... the other guys are doing one too. I'm oh, dead certain on this. And I'm pretty they're not. not. Are they not? No, they're not. My bad. While we look into that, we can, of course, uh, talk about the not the Australian Grand Prix with Hayden Gullis and Matt Gallagher on the call. Uh, We had lots of technological differences. The stream looked like a very neat looking slideshow for a while until they finally fixed the output settings. Um, (laughs) Another another great show in there for streaming and Formula One 2019. Yeah, and for for F1 2019 in general, which is definitely esports ready. The most esports ready out of any game I've ever played. With Lando Norris, Sasha Fenestraz, Stoffel Van Dorn, Esteban Gutierrez, Louis Delatraz, Ryan Vetter, and Thibaut Courtois? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Thibaut Courtois took part in this race. Yes, that, that one, Real Madrid goalkeeper. Thibaut Courtois took part of it and spun out in the middle of a chicane, which was just hilarious. <laughs> okay, uh, I should note, uh, yes, the race are doing it again. Uh, again on R-Factor 2. Again, there you go. Uh, again on a surprise circuit. Uh, yeah, again on a surprise circuit. No announcements on who will actually participate yet. I knew I wasn't seeing things. I want a demand and apology. But yeah, there is, no, there is no bonus. There is nothing else you said. Just that there is a sequel to that event. Besides that, nothing else is known about that event. We know sure because second, I read there was a bonus. The second it's not event on their exists. Twitter account. It's not on their website. So okay, I'll get exists. back to you on that one next episode. Yeah. 
It exists, yeah. and that's all we it know. Exists. I want an apology in writing, King, by the way. Don't let you... <laughs> You're not getting an apology. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Not the Australian Grand Prix happened. We had turn one carnage. We had drivers who were driving like they were drunk and or on drugs. Lando Norris having banter with Benjamin Daly. And big, tall Hungarian Daniel Berezne just fucking throttled the field. <laughs> Beat him down. Beat him down. As you would expect, Ferrari finished 18th or 20th because Arafa and AR-12 did not have good days. Look, I, I said it in the preseason. I, I said it in the season preview. Ferrari's going to be bad this year, but... You know, I as I look down these results, I see, that I see that Steve Super GT Brown finished ahead of an actual Super GT driver in Sasha Fenestras. I'm like, man... This isn't a good look. You mean Steve didn't just finish in sixth like he always does? No, oh, it's he that he, he finished in six times two. Twelfth. Oh, of course. Keep, keep, keep the six theme relevant, why don't you? Yeah. <sighs> there was a lot of early chaos. Stoffel Van Dorn got a great start, and then that was all undone because Louis Delatraz channeled the energy of his father. No. <laughs> oh no! RJ from the top rope. To be fair, very good in sports cars, not good in Formula One. Yeah, Delatraz had that? a stink. Had Delatraz had a stinker of a race. He punted Stoffel off. Uh, the other New York Ryan didn't know was in this race. It was one of two people who ran the number sixty-nine for memes. The other was Lando Norris. <laughs> who had an eventful race because he was disqualified for using proper pit lane etiquette, which F1 2019 recognized <laughs> as blocking the pit lane. And a great game, guys. Great, great, great game. Although it did lead us to Lando Norris putting on an absolute flyer of a start from the dummy grid. Oops. <laughs> the grid that's 100 yards down the road. Keep, keep Lando Norris in mind. He becomes important later. Yeah, that that, uh, <laughs> that battle with TM at Marduk um, for position was something else. And as Ben was having the time of his life, Lando was just like, "Oh my god, I hate this guy! Come on!" The most notorious corner cutter in the entire F1 community strikes again. <laughs> And you've cut out some of my jabs in the past. Come on now. <laughs> hey, that's a that is a quote from the YouTuber Championship. I don't want to hear it. Pretty much. <laughs> Fair enough. Goodness gracious! As we all expected, Alfa Romeo wins and Renault finishes second, just like we all <laughs> predicted. Totally. Just, just, just like we all thought, right? Yeah. Beresne first, Jarno Opmir second, Hypers in third, James Baldwin, newly minted GT World Challenge driver. When and if that kicks mm. off in fourth, Tommy Martinez fifth, Lando in sixth, TRL Limitless in seventh, Ben Daly in eighth, Simon Vigang in ninth, and Esteban Gutierrez not eleventh. He's in tenth from twenty points. He got a point. Oh my the lord! The rare Esteban Gutierrez point. That year in the Mercedes sim really paid off. No kidding. <laughs> oh. oh man. Yeah, they're going to have another one, not the Bahrain Grand Prix. Two races, including a reverse grid. They will yes, have... Yes, double the races, double the fun. I believe there is a bonus if you win both the races. Oh, yeah. And I've been told the, the second race is 25% reverse grid. Oh, <laughs> yes! 
Both races are 25% this weekend. Yeah, uh, it's like a race two is reverse grid start. Cam, fun. Cam, let's talk about The Replacements 100. No, it's not 100 copies of the movie The Replacements. It's a NASCAR um, iRacing esports event. <coughs> and it proves our old merchandise. <laughs> you pour in blood, sweat, and tears, and then you lose to Penske in a video game. Josh Williams, the spotter for Joey Logano in the NASCAR Cup Series. Ryan yeah, Blaney. As it turns say. out, yeah, yeah, for Ryan Blaney, uh, he does this as a hobby. He beat Hendrick. Number 24 star, William Byron, in a straight-up fight. He led <laughs> all 100 laps wire to wire. Beautiful. And Dale Earnhardt Jr., semi-unretired. That's true. He did come back. He got involved in an early wreck. There were a few uh, wrecks, including Parker Kligerman had his game switched to window mode on him, and then he just straight-lined into a wall. <laughs> just esports problems. You know, in real-life motorsports. Ready. You know, in real life, you would have to worry about blown mowers or blown tires. Here, you just have to worry about your cat stepping on your keyboard and throwing you out of a full screen. Of course. A common problem. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Dale Earnhardt Jr. salvaged a top 10 out of it and uh, yeah. is now expecting a second child with his wife, Amy. I was going to mention this, yeah. Congratulations yes. to, to, to the junior. And, wow. and we could expect soon a diecast model of his car from the replacements one. Fairness, I did like oh. that livery. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was nice. We're, we're already getting eSports merch. Yeah, and uh, Ford, <laughs> if you didn't know, Roush Yates Racing. Gives away a valve cover off of one of their engines after every race. Oh. They gave away one branded with the replacements 100, a virtual valve cover. <laughs> <laughs> it is an actual one that was given to a fan. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Their NASCAR is now planning nets to have uh, more races like this with more names from the actual NASCAR Cup Series and a pretty damn big prize pot, which led to Kyle Busch defending his rig, which is just him on a Daytona USA cabinet with his son. Oh, Let's go away. Let's go away. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's the, th my mind. that's the third time, Dre, and I've said the same thing at the same time this podcast. Holy Get out shit. of my head! Yeah, it's the uh, iRacing. Well. It's it's the E NASCAR iRacing Pro Series. They might have this on television uh, on Fox to pick up where you know the real life races would be going. So they're really it's, backing into this. Yeah, it, and it's, of it's, course, it's not the Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out. Yeah. Um, but also, it's worth noting that uh, Brian Keselowski. Eat shit. Yeah. 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 Eat all the shit. Mm, I, I, I'm totally okay with this take. Like, I know we don't cover esports as much as we probably should, but it's good mm. to have them step up and fill the void for motorsport that real-life drivers and organizations are getting involved. One thing I always like about esports is that, okay, yes, like buying your own steering wheel peripheral is not a small chunk of change, but there is still a much lower barrier to entry so that any, so in theory, anybody can get involved if they have it's, the job. It's a great way. Sim racing, it isn't the same as real driving, and for the most mm -hmm. part, it doesn't try to be. It's a way for someone with a passion for the sport 
like you, like me, like many people around the world, get to participate. And now people who started out, you know, sim racing are now getting to race against real drivers, not just, you know, not just in sim racing. But of course, when we actually do get back to racing, William Byron got to where he is because of this. Right. Yeah. And like, in some ways, this is you know, a training and recruiting tool. It is. And in another way, this is gentlemen driving for the masses in the 21st century. Right. Think of Igor Fraga, first ever GT Nations Cup champion. He's just been minted as a Red Bull Junior, for better and for worse. It would have almost seemed unthinkable for him just a couple of years ago. Yep. Look, one of the biggest things we talk about as an issue with motorsport in general is accessibility, and esports is a fantastic way of bridging that gap. I'm never going to claim to be its biggest fan in the world when it comes from a sit-down watching standpoint, but I will Hmm. always respect the fact that it does a brilliant job of bridging the gap between that and mainstream multi-million pound motorsport access for the rich kids so i'm here for all of that and look at you know so many so many of these organizations have stepped up in the face of what the world is going through and they have to be applauded for that in just a short amount of time even if it's people or organizations or people that we just like, oh, we crack on them a few times. It's commendable that they were able to put this together to begin with. And it's only going to get better as this goes on. I hope, I hope that that exposure sticks around because they got damn good numbers for they got, time in the year. Yeah. The F1 2019. Lando Norris. Lando Norris on Sunday was the most watched Twitch streamer in the world. To be fair, his Twitch stream was probably running much smoother than the official ones at times. <laughs> That's besides the point. But yeah, I think this is going to be a real coming out period for, for sim racing and esports in terms it's of what we've got. I want to yes, see it's, it's now, like... I, now we all want to see Max Verstappen at Lando Norris tackle the Daytona Super Speedway because oh, uh, God. Lando oh, tried fuck. to bump draft Max Verstappen in GT Porsche cars yeah, and uh, sent Max Verstappen to the home for infinite losers. I'll say, I'll say it's because we know <laughs> we know that he's okay relatively, yeah. but uh, he basically did what Ryan Blaney did to Ryan Newman at the same part of the <laughs> yeah. track you and know, sent him head on into the wall. You know, y'all may say y'all want to see them tackle Daytona. I would rather see them try and attack the uh, the pooper Sebring that Dinner with Racers has on iRacing coming up on the same day as the regular yeah. Super Sebring. A multi-class iRacing event that features Indy cars, NASCAR Cup cars, Emmett's Five Cup cars, off-roaders, and a guy named Ryan Lewis. Yeah, literally, the class uh, car classes, you know, RJ just said the IndyCar, the Ford Mustang, also the Audi RS3 TCR car, and the old Acura LMP2 car joined in that, too. This is the best multi-class shit post. Yeah, you'd love to see it. Gentlemen, can I, should, I, should I wrap the show up? Yes. Yes, let's get, let's get out of town. Reminder, we will be back in two weeks' time, unfortunately, but... It will probably be a watch party for arguably the greatest MotoGP race ever. So that should be fun, right? Mm. Um, so hopefully stick around. As mentioned at the top of the show, 
again, if anyone would like a return on their pledge any time between now and at least May 1st, please do get in touch. Again, this is not what we wanted to do, but we hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Places you can find us real quick, because I did mention that at the top of the show, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, twitter at harrison101hd, at cthehardy, at cbuckley917, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell for all of our personal handles, and our main Twitter account, at motorsport underscore 101. You can find the full statement I mentioned at the top of the show on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101, and all of our details will be on there as, as, as well on our website, motorsport101.com, where I wrote a post about the weekend itself. Um, just... It was it was a mental burp, basically, of all my thoughts on, on the whole situation, which it was a hot mess, to say the least. So if you want more of that, check out the website. Um, or remember, $5 gets you early access to all of our shows going forward. Um, $10 gets you the supporters club of our Discord server, which I did not mention earlier. Thanks, everyone, that stuck around all the way through. Uh, Socks in here, Jason, Tony's in here, Vic as well, and Vince. Nice to see you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. As mentioned, we'll be back in two weeks' time for Watch Party. That should be fun. All right, until then, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley, Chris DeHarde, RJ O'Connell, and Ryan King. Thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Stay safe out everybody, and sayonara. We love y'all. Please stay at home. Bye. <laughs>